It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Is on the air now. Welcome back to 755 is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer at The Athletic, and I'm with my co-host, former Braves reliever, Eric O'Flaherty. What's happening, Eric? What's up, Dave? Oh, man. Late night last night at the yard. One of the rare late nights this year because he had an hour rain delay, and then he had a game that just dragged after uh, so many pitching changes and stuff happening, and the Braves blowing a 4-0 lead, and bullpen's Cleared briefly after Ozuna hit Will Smith again in the back with his massive backswing in the head with a helmet, and Will Smith took offense, and just a lot of stuff. Uh, series opener, oh, and Freddie, of course, hit a three-run bomb that turned the game around for the Dodgers <laughs> after getting a standing O in his first uh, plate appearance and doffing his helmet to the crowd. He's so good. I, yeah. He says he doesn't sit on pitches, but I think he's a liar. Because he struck out on that curveball that he hit out. He struck out on the same pitch as first at bat. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know how he kept that thing fair. Charlie said, uh, Charlie said, it, you know, that's what they were trying to throw him, but they just meant it was low in the zone, but it was supposed to be lower than that. It was supposed to be yeah. below the zone. You know, it was ahead of one, two, and uh, he left it in. It got too much of the plate and too high for, for Freddie. He just dropped bat head and crushed it. Hit a his, his majestic like one. Completely vertical. Yeah. Man, that swing, God, you watch it in slow motion, and you're just like, nobody swings like that. And it's so pretty, man. It's kind of, I think part of why he can do it is because he is so tall and he creates so much leverage. But, you know, I mean, there's obviously something special about him that he could swing like that. And I don't know if, I'd love if I could teach my son to do it. But, I mean, we'd have to be in the cage every day for, you know, two hours. To just you know, to yeah. map that out. Yeah, he's got the great bat to ball skills on top of being six five, you know. Yeah. And and having that leverage that he uses, whereas most guys is too that are that tall can't put it all together. He's just so fluid. Is that you're yeah. just born with that. Nobody can teach him how to hit like that. He's born with that. Yeah. yeah, and I know he, you know, he's that those are stories of his dad throwing BP after every single, you know, high school high school day going straight to the field, hitting with his dad. But there were a lot of work went into that. Talked to him before the game, went over the clubhouse over there. And he was trying to, uh, he was not the, avoiding the cameras because there was a shit ton of them waiting in the clubhouse. And that visiting clubhouse is not as nearly as big as the home clubhouse. And it was pretty full. You could tell his teammates were like, okay, you want to, you want, you guys want to get out of here? Uh, hurry up and do your thing. But Freddie, uh, you know, was out, he was in the hallway. We talked, Bo and I talked to him for a while. And uh, he looks great, by the way. He's in great shape. This yep. guy's getting older and getting in better shape. He's in Hollywood. You got to yeah, lose 10 pounds. <laughs> uh, and he's with his best friend now, Jason Hayward. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's got things of how things have come full circle for those guys. Here they are 
Same two guys that uh, I remember like yesterday when they walked over to Braves Major League Camp when Bobby invited them over and they were 18 years old. Freddie was had that baby fat on him. Jason already looked like a grown man, was ripped. Oh my God, he was big at 19. Freddie had like, you know, just was pale and pudgy and <laughs> and and all the focus like, was on Jay Hay. Yeah, all the focus was on Jay Hay. Jay Hay was hitting his bombs into the onto the executives' cars the next spring when they invited over again and made the team on opening day. And Freddie spent another year in AAA. Anyway, it all came full circle. Here they are back as teammates playing against the Braves. And a guy that was on that team when they came over, Charlie Morton, is back after all those years away from the Braves, pitching against them. On It was just one of those nights. The odds of all those guys still being in the game, because that was, what, 2009 when they when they brought them over? Yeah, yeah. 14 years. All those years guys and- still being in the game, and Freddie and Jason being on the Dodgers and Charlie being yeah. on the Braves after they mm-hmm. traded him because he was a prospect that just didn't look like he was ever going to put it together for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was a weird night. Uh, Braves have a 4-0 lead after the first inning. I mean, they've been the best first inning team in the in the majors this year by far, the scoring wise, uh, and that's you know, of course, due to Ronald Acuna, yeah. almost first, first and foremost. I mean, uh, Olson's you know tied with Judge for the most home runs in the first inning. But even I talked to Olson, and he credits much of that to to uh, you know hitting behind Acuna because teams just don't want to, you know. He gets on base, and they have to be careful, and he steals a base. They can't, you know, and then they can't walk. They're not going to pitch around Olsen and put another guy on, bringing up. Murphy, yeah. Yeah, Murphy and Riley when he was going well earlier in the year. Oh, Ozzie, you know, they've had him there a couple times when he's going well. So, anyway, it's just a stacked lineup, and, and Acuna just gets gets pitchers off their game, and they're, they're just not settled in. And then they face Olsen, and he, boom. How Six often do you see a center fielder misplay a ball like that? Like the ball he hit in the first? Yeah. I thought exactly. he misplayed it, but he'd catch it. You know, like, ah, uh, he kind of, he started coming in and he's going to get to it. And it got almost to the track. When you see a ball hit like that, you're thinking 300 feet at most. And that thing yeah. went 385. Yeah. It's just got so much backspin. His ball just carries, man. It's and like, power. I mean, he hit that 111. Going. Yeah. Just keeps going. And meanwhile, the, the catch he made last night, was beautiful. The the one that uh, Acuna made in right field going. And it was so similar to the one that he got hurt on in Miami. Although yep. he was going to his right and the other one time he's going to his left. But both times leaped up, landed on the warning track, leaped up from the grass, I think, both times. But he landed on the warning track when he hurt himself before and, and did last night and landed directly on that knee last night after jumping up, making a beautiful – it was over the shoulder – Throws his glove up, catches it, lands on the right knee, no problem. You know. Also, I noticed another time last night something he never could do last year because of the nature of the injury in ACL. Deceleration is when guys yeah. hurt themselves after is when it, they have problems after ACL coming back from that is deceleration, not acceleration, right? Because they use that 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 ligament to stop. And he had that double last night and put the brakes on. Stand up double leading off and put the yep. brakes on at second, which last year would have, would have really hurt him last year. You would have winced last year when he did it. He really <clears throat> like that, you know. That's when I noticed the most. I remember it was a game against the Mets and he had to go get a ball down the right field line. He initially thought he, you know, had a chance to catch it and then he had to slow down pretty quick. And that it was like he was fully extending his right, his right knee and the other one wasn't, but he was just trying to. It, 
the legs were working differently and I could see it, how he was moving. And I was like, man, he's still not, he's still not a hundred percent, but you watch him run now. Yeah. It's so easy to forget how, how fast he is when you're watching him last year. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, 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 he's far and away the MVP of the league right now. If it were yeah. to be voted on right now. I mean, we're, we're only, you know, just past the quarter point of the season, but he's really just, and and everybody's noticing too, you know, it's not like he's doing this and, and not getting attention. Everybody's noticing it around baseball and he's on the highlights every night. Yeah. You can't hide. You can't hide when you're playing like him going first to third on a walk. <laughs> oh my God. How about that? You don't see that in major leagues. That's little league stuff. There's it's- the third baseman and the shortstop both had their backs to the field. Just kind of thinking about, you know, who's up next, whatever they're thinking about. Because who else is even going to think about doing that? Nobody. And he sized it up, saw it, and boom, that's a ballsy decision, man. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe one of them backfires at some point this year. But I, I like the chaos that it adds, you know. And that's that's why they're so good in the first inning. Because, like you said, you know, you put him on, he's running. You pitch to him, he might hit a homer or a double. But no matter what, you just have to deal with him. And he makes you deal with his speed. And yeah. it's it's crazy how much of a distraction it can be to a pitcher. Knowing this dude on base might do some crazy shit. So you're just that much more focused on him, and, and it takes away from – it's not supposed to, but for a lot of guys it does take away from the pitches you're throwing to the plate. I would be surprised if uh, if, if team, for the next however many games, teams aren't really cognizant of that. Because if they get caught asleep again, then you weren't paying attention because that's going to be brought up in any scouting report. Watch you this have guy. To now. It's just one yeah. more thing to worry about. You know, you have yeah, to. Exactly. And anything you can add like that as a, a runner on base, you know, in the pitcher's head, especially, but even for the fielders, nobody wants to deal with that. Like, come on, man. Nobody does this. And then he does it and it's a free bag and you look stupid. So now you're paying more attention. And as a pitcher, you know, you, you got a guy that should be at second. He's at third. I can't remember how many outs there were, but now you're trying. Now you can't give up a sack fly. None. Yeah. I don't think. I have to look back, yeah. So yeah. you give up a run there and you're pissed as a pitcher. You know, you're worried about that. That guy shouldn't have been a third. And you give up a double to the next hitter because you're worried about the last thing that happened. Just the chaos that he adds to an inning Yeah, by being kind of crazy out there but fully capable of pulling it off because he's so damn fast and, and he's not afraid. Yeah, that wasn't a, even a play. And It matters. And by the way, it was this National League leading 19th stolen base. It's on a pace to do some historic stuff. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, the other thing off last night's game, though, was the Ozuna backswing thing. Ozuna c- continues his May resurgence, by the way. I mean, this guy's hitting. And yep. something rather remarkable that I looked at towards the end of the game last night, because I know how Harris had another awful night last night. So I wanted to see where they were uh, by comparison. But not just Harris. Ozuna now, he had two hits and a walk last night. Had an RBI double in the eighth inning. They got the Braves within two, eight to six. Um, and normally, you know, you think, okay, they can pull this out. But the Dodgers had some some relievers throwing some gas last night. It, uh, but it was his second hit of the night. And he now has a 759 OPS, which considering his April – it's pretty amazing because he was about the worst player in baseball, worst hitter in baseball in April. Ozuna now has a 759 OPS. It's higher than Austin Riley's OPS. That's unbelievable. 
Nick's also started out pretty well. Austin Riley has been struggling. 746 OPS. It's higher than Rosario's OPS, which is 703. Rosario, by the way, had the three-run homer in that first inning last night, which I thought, you know, was going to put the Braves ahead for the whole game. Um, And Michael Harris is down to 492 OPS. I mean, we're getting where where if he keeps this up much longer, you're going to have Acuna's OBP is going to be as high as Harris's OPS. Uh, and he's not much. He's not much lower than Ozzy Albie's OPS, seven seventy one. Ozuna's at seven fifty nine. Yeah, I mean we've we've talked about this when he gets hot and everything clicks, mm-hmm. and that's I think that's why the Braves have been so patient. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm sure he'll find, he'll hit another spot this year where you're having the opposite conversation. It's like how is how are things going this bad? But I mean, there's just there's guys that go like this their whole career. When they're hot, they're they carry you. And when they're cold, it's like, fuck, I don't know. Like anybody can get them out. But you look at the end of the year and they're right where they were, you know, the prior year. Imagine if uh, the Braves had, towards late April, traded him or just dumped him because they weren't going to trade him. No, it's going to trade for him. But if they just released him and he had this May resurgence doing what he's doing now, how bad it would have looked because you'd been like, oh, what were the Braves doing wrong? Because all of a sudden he's hitting like he used to. And they're paying him his full salary, and he's doing this for another team. And that's, and, what, that's that's what scares you. And you take his bat out of the lineup, which is one of the only few hitters they got hitting right now. The yeah. top go, or, of the order guys are doing okay, are obviously great. Uh, Okunye is. Ol- Olsen's hitting again. Um, but And Riley's shown a little bit of signs lately. Ozzy does what he does against lefties. But imagine, you know, where they'd be without his bat in the lineup in May because he's been – Right there with a, is behind Acuna is the next best hitter in May. So, yeah, that's why you didn't do it. They're waiting for him to hit. He's doing it now. And uh, either he continues to help them all year, which he can do, or he, he gets, gives himself some trade value and they're able to eat uh, to, to not have to eat the entire salary if they were to trade him at some point. But you ain't thinking about trading him right now because yeah. you need him. You need him. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. When you're paying a guy as much as they are, there's never a good time to trade him because if he's doing what he's doing now, you don't want to give him up. Like you said, he's one of the only guys hitting. And when they're doing, you know, what he's doing, when he's doing, what he's doing in April. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to get for him? Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Braves have lost seven out of eleven, which kind of gets uh, overlooked because they had the great series in Texas and beat a first place team in the Rangers. Who and and then you know, 
But they got swept in Toronto, and Toronto is not playing well lately other than that sweep. Um, so, you know, I guess we'll see what happens in these next few games against the Dodgers, next couple of games against the Dodgers. And that Philly series coming up is going to be kind of a good litmus test, I think, because the Phillies are no, no great shakes either right now. And they've got four against the Phillies. But uh, Mets got Verlander back now, and he pitched eight inning gym in that doubleheader sweep the other day. Uh, his first game off the IL goes out and throws eight. So, you know, it's not time to panic. The Braves won't panic. They never do. But you don't want to see your seven and a half game lead whittled to nothing. Right. And of course, what they're trying to do is piece this thing together, rotation with both Kyle Wright and especially. Max Freed on the IL, and that's tough because they and the bullpen games have just not worked. They they did three of them in a nine game span, lost all three. Yeah, uh, we're only a hit away from winning one or two of those games, but still the bullpen games are not worked. If Schuster, Jared Schuster, the rookie, pitches like he did a couple of days ago, that will help solve a lot of that because he pitched really well. That yeah, was you, you need night and day difference. That was night and day difference. The confidence he showed and and and, and the lack of walks and. He just said it was a real – one hit, a solo homer by, by Hellenic, uh against the Mariners. That was the only hit he allowed in six innings. Yeah. That was yeah, strong. I mean, and that's that's what you need. You know, it's it takes – sometimes it takes these situations. When you get called up for a doubleheader and you know this is the only impression you're going to make or guys coming off the DL, the pressure young guys feel to perform, you know, I mean, it's it's different. But now there's a spot up for grabs. Where if I pitch well, you know, it's almost like more of a positive uh, thought that's in your head. But if I pitch well, I might I might get to stay. And there's time for me to stay. You know, when there's a roster crunch and you know you're going down no matter what, um, I think guys put a little too much pressure on themselves to to perform in that mm-hmm. moment. Plus, you know, this was these guys, Schuster, Dodd, this was their first taste of the major leagues. And it, it takes exactly. the hardest part for me and why I don't get too excited about prospects, and we've talked about it before, is – the hardest thing to do is is control your emotions and and perform when the bright lights come on. Not let it affect you. Keep the game the same, and barely anybody does that. Almost everybody comes up, and it, you know they're nervous. They're trying too hard. They're the game's too fast for them. Those first couple times. Um, so it's it, I don't like to judge a guy or, or project his future off of their first couple tastes of the majors. But eventually, you know, you have to find your way to handle it, and guys need time to do that. Some guys can never handle it. Some guys are just AAA heroes. They're always hitting 340 in AAA, and you call them up, and they punch out four times trying to do too much. And that's just how much different it is pitching on that stage or, or hitting on that stage, playing the defense in that stage. Like Grissom, I thought I thought he – but you could obviously see how much pressure he was putting on himself at shortstop yeah. you know, those last yeah. couple of weeks. But yeah. that's the biggest hurdle is, is can you slow the game down and play the same under all that pressure, answering questions after the game. So – you know, maybe maybe Schuster just needed a few tries to really calm himself down and feel comfortable up here, and and that's who he really is and what he can do. Yeah, and that's what we saw in spring training too. The stuff's there. He's got he's got got a nice little repertoire. Um, yeah. I think it would have helped a lot both of those guys a lot if they'd had a chance. But I mean, the Braves were trying to uh, win a division, so they weren't going to bring those guys up in September call ups and give them a start. Right. So those teams that can do that. Maybe they have a division clinch and they want to rest a couple of starters. Nice to give a guy like that a start in September, even if it's just yeah. one taste. And then they get the feel for it. They have the whole offseason to think about what it was like and all that. Going to spring training, you know what you've already experienced it. You know, because you don't yeah. experience it in spring training. It's obviously nothing like it. 
Yeah. Um, and then they go into the season, no, not not instead of a wide eye that first you know start in the first week of the season like Schuster and Dodd did, you know having no idea what to expect and playing in front of big crowds first week of the season, you've already experienced it. So that can really help a guy like that. Uh, but they didn't have that luxury. And they both came out of nowhere, really, in spring training. They were yeah, the shock factor for me. They weren't expected to be fifth starter yeah. candidates, and they both pitched so well that they became those candidates. So they're getting the feel. They're getting that out of the way now. Schuster's got it out of the way now. He knows he can do it. I mean, yeah. he did it against a pretty good team. One yeah, hit. What you just said is the big one: is is knowing you can do it, knowing the game's not that different. And everybody tells you that, but then you go out there and you. You know, you're shaking in your boots and you give up five runs and you're like, fuck, this league's pretty tough. Yeah. Well, that's you you got to have that one to build on. That he, he, went down to, he said he went down to AAA, worked on some mechanical things, uh, and really just getting over the nervousness, slowing yeah. the game down. He felt yeah. like he was slowing the game down the other day. Um, and that's hard to quantify to people. What does that mean? But it's not for the people who've played. They understand what it means when you're slowing the game down. It means it's not a panic. You're not out there nervous because the game is so fast at the big league level. So fast. It's remarkably fast. So much faster than college or even the low minors and even AAA games. They're not nearly as fast as the major league game. Everything is bang, 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 bang. So if you're a kid trying to feel your way and you're not really confident yet that you can do it, I mean, the game feels like it's going 1,000 miles an hour and you just get – you're not yourself. You make yeah. bad pitches, you swing, you make swings, you make errors like Grissom did, even though he's been up for a while. You still pressure on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, there's there's not many times where, you know, and they, they debuted, pretty sure Schuster debuted in Washington, right, on the road, or was that Dodd? Yeah. That was Schuster Well, you debut on the road. Dodd, Dodd was on the road at St. Louis. Think about the first inning of a AAA game. You walk the leadoff hitter, what's the noise level? Yeah, it's like people are still getting their seats. They're trying to get you to pay attention to some mascot. There's a promotion going on. Yeah, there's a couple there's a thousand shit, people there. Top shitty sound guy plays his shitty sound bites, and yeah. nothing happens. You know, you're like you're almost right. sleepwalking through the start of a AAA game. You walk that first hitter, and you know, it, it opening series or something like that yeah. in Washington. You walk that first guy. There's thirty, forty thousand cheering, and it's like, wow, okay, I did something bad. So there's all the reinforcement of of stuff at the major league level that yeah. you don't really feel in AAA, and that's how it speeds up on guys for me in in my debut i debuted in oakland so it wasn't a massive crowd but what when it hit me was when i was jogging onto the field i looked up and saw myself on the jumbotron and i was <laughs> like oh, oh shit this is a you know what i mean like it kind of hit yeah, me then yeah. seeing that you don't see that in AAA. you know big giant jumbotron I spit, they have them now but back then there were no jumbotrons in AAA. Right. so you're seeing right. yourself on camera and you're running out there, and it, for a moment, it was like, "Oh shit, this is this is the moment I've been, you know, preparing my whole life for." It's really happening, and I got, I think I was throwing, I, I lost like six miles an hour in my major league debut because I was so tense and uncomfortable. Wow. My and you know, baseball's all timing, so I was fast to the plate. I was trying to do too much. I was throwing hard. The first pitch I hit got hit off the wall, and all of a sudden, it, or first pitch I threw got hit off the wall, and all of a sudden, it's like. Here you go. Things are speeding up. And luckily, the guys kind of had some bad at bats, and I got out of it. But yeah, it can it can speed up on you in a hurry, and it doesn't take much. Yeah, like Tanner walking out onto the field at the Astrodome and the Bad News Bears. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> but then you get to a point, you know. I I remember watching. Uh, it was like probably my. We went to Angel Stadium after that, and they called down to get Soriano warmed up. And he, he looked annoyed. 
You know, it was like an inconvenience that they were getting him up at the time. They were getting him yeah. up. He was drinking. They had these energy drinks called Uptime, and he was only halfway through his Uptime, so he was pissed he didn't have time to finish it. He throws it down and walks his angry ass over the mound and starts warming up, like, you know, playing father-son catch. All right. Two seconds later, he's in the game. And the demeanor he had, I was like, that's where I need to be. Not, yeah. not pissed I'm pitching. Yeah. But the, this guy is not rattled one bit. Angel Stadium's going nuts. They got the rally monkey. You know, he was pitching big innings at the time. And That's he's amazing. just, I mean, his heart rate went from like 71 to 74 warming up. And yeah. he goes out and just cruises through an inning like it's nothing. And I see him in the clubhouse drinking a beer after the game, like just another day at the office. And I remember, I remember that specifically because I locked in on that and was thinking, that's how you have to be at this level. You know, things can't. His attitude wasn't the best at times. Yeah. But it was like, right. this guy's not overwhelmed by the level and he's not making a big deal of how this goes, how today goes. Today's not his last outing or a big deal to right. him no matter what. You know, he's he's staying level. He's just in his own world. He's like, I'm doing my thing regardless, detached yep. from the rest. Yeah. And that's right. where you get there after time in the big leagues. Mariano Rivera never looked like, in the postseason, he never looked like it was anything more than a spring training game. He just went yeah. out there with the same demeanor. I'm throwing my cutter. You know what's coming. I'm not going to get rattled. Had a couple years where I felt like that, and the rest of it was, you know, a constant battle to stay, yeah, stay level. Man, look, just looking at a couple of these comments before we get. Oh, let me let me give you Harris's numbers, by the way, just to, to some idea of how how bad this has gotten, man. Because I I was not really, you know, I'm thinking he's come. He's had two injuries already this year with the back, and then the knee when he heard it coming off the IO for the back, and he was out a few more days with the knee. He's wearing the brace for a while. I got that off. So, I mean, there's obviously extenuating circumstances that have contributed to this. That's why I'm not too alarmed about Harris long-term. I'm not alarmed at all. But in the short term, there's concern because they didn't even get going because he was such a huge part of things last year. Uh, and last night there was a play where, you know, I just didn't think he got to it as fast as he would have last year, and they ended up getting an extra base out of, hit out of it. And last year that wouldn't happen. But right now, the last 14 games – 14 games. He is 5 for 48, hit 104 in that stretch with 11 strikeouts, two doubles, two RBIs, a 146 slugging, and a 335 OPS over 14 games. And he's got a hitless streak going now that last night was extended to six games. He is 0 for 22 with five strikeouts, no walks, and he grounded into a double play last night during that hitless streak, six games. You know, that that hurts because he's such a – we've seen him when he's healthy and he's going, what, how big of a bat he is in the bottom of, of the order, but right now he's giving him nothing down there at the bottom of the order. Yeah, I, I wonder how much – you know, and sometimes it's not even a pain thing or you're, you're compensating to avoid a position that, that gets painful. But, you know, I mean, we've talked about – how such a small, tiny little adjustment can change somebody's season. Hurting your knee like that, I mean, maybe it's not super painful, but you might just subconsciously be doing something to, you know, avoid putting as much weight into it or pressure into it or twisting on it. And that little just change in, in the chain of, of movements for you can, it can really mess you up. So, I mean, I'm not making excuses for him, but I wonder if that's got something to do with his struggles. Uh, looking at a couple of comments here. Freed and Wright are killing us. Well, yeah. I mean, there's, you know. Big deal. Yeah. They're hurt. 
What are you going to do? Can't pitch when you hurt. They got pit. They got arm injuries. They're worried about long term, not just short term. It is good news on Freed. Uh, Alex Antopoulos said he's close to, very close to, to resuming throwing. So when he resumes throwing, I mean everything's going great. Otherwise, he's doing all the weight work and stretching and all the the PT. So when he starts throwing, it's basically going to be starting a spring training again. So you could should be able to look at him getting back in about five six weeks. I would think, you know, because he's got to do everything that we, that he would normally do in a build up in spring training. But uh, if that is the timetable and he starts throwing soon, you could look at right around the All Star break. So that would be huge having him after the All Star break. You, you yeah, know, it's going to be. I mean, I hate to use the cliche, but it will be like trading for a frontline starter if you get him back because they only had five starts from him, him and Wright both. Wright's not as quite as optimistic because he's going to be out longer than Freed. He's got the shoulder, and because it was a recurrence, whereas Freed was an el- the forearm strain the first time, Wright's a recurrence of something that happened this, this offseason when he had to get the cortisone injection in January. He wasn't ready when, season, when the spring training began. And that set him back several weeks of spring training. That's why he started the season on the IL. And then he has a recurrence of it. So that that's a red flag for the team. And that they're being super cautious with him. And, you know, they're not going to bring him back till there because they don't want to, they don't want this to, to, to uh, keep lingering. And then you have to have surgery because then shoulder surgery is not nearly as, uh, it's not like filling a cavity like Tommy John is these days. Right. It's not a sure thing. You know, Tommy John's as close to a sure thing as you can get for a major surgery. Yep. Shoulder surgery is not like that. There's no there's no guarantees at all with shoulder surgeries that a guy's going to come back, you know, at 100% or all that. It's just more complicated. It's not a yep. cut and dried thing like Tommy John, the clean thing that you know what you're doing and boom, you get it taken care of. Uh, but anyway, that's where they are. Uh, somebody says on here, best case for right is a labrum tear. Worst case is a rotator cuff. Uh, they they did the MRI. There's no there's no tears that you know. I mean, sure, it could be micro tears, you know, because most yeah. strains are micro tears, but nothing like that at this point would require surgery, or they'd be doing it, you know. So, uh, somebody says mentor IL AAA needs to be fixed. You know, AJ's had a couple of games where he looked good, but for the most part. Yeah, it's just not had an A.J. Minter season. He gives it up again last night to Betts. Snit brought him in. I thought Jimenez, you know, I don't know why he took him out after giving up one hit, but he brought in Minter because he liked the matchup with Betts. But he only had a couple of bats against Betts in regular season. He did face him in the postseason some and did real well against him. But in that case, I think that's one of those where Snit, you know, he loves when his favorite guys, he wants them to, to work through this stuff and get them back. And I understand that. But with Mentor, I don't really know that you can go off past matchups right now because he's not the same Mentor he was when he faced bets in those matchups in a postseason in the past years. Yeah, I agree. It's you, it, That's one thing in baseball I don't like is when past numbers uh, get brought up. It's like, I'm not that guy right now. Or yeah, he's right not now. that guy right now. You know, you can, as a pitcher, you can get pulled and – you know that, the, I mean, the, I, I remember it was, I think it was Ty Wigginton or somebody I didn't get to face with a game on the line. And Ty Wigginton hit a home run off me in 2006. And f- six years later, I'm a completely different guy. Right. Now, I mean, this isn't that drastic, but right. Minner's not, he's not locked in right now. So right. it's, you kind of, but this is what I think Snit does. And I have to give him credit for is he's putting guys in these positions to have a big moment, to get them the momentum to turn their season around. And you're going to lose some games. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a risky play. But he never, he's never afraid of it. You're going to lose some games when you make these moves. But if he came in last night, locks in and strikes, it's like yeah. all in your own mind. 
when you come in and, and perform well in a big situation, all's forgiven and you can just start over. When you come into a game that's six nothing and you have a good inning, yeah, you know, it's like I think I'm good, but yeah. I don't know because it was six nothing. So it's it's kind of it's a tricky, it's really tricky, and that's what every former player that goes and manages. They all say they're like the hardest thing to do is manage a bullpen. The biggest thing a manager does is manage the bullpen, and it's understanding the mentality of your relievers that makes you a great manager. It, managing their you know their ups and downs and putting them into situations to have a big moment or succeed so when it backfires on you you look stupid but if yeah. it works you know maybe the guy can put it all behind him and it only takes you only need one good outing to sit on the worst thing you can yeah. do is have a reliever pitch bad and then not pitch him again because they sit on a bad one but i used to love bobby would do it with me all the time if, if i had a rough game the next day i'd come in and i'd have a layup lefty you know with two outs if you get them out you get your high fives in the dugout you get to laugh with everybody after the game we yeah. won and you from there you go into a positive the next day you show up to the yard and you're the guy that did fine yesterday instead of the guy that blew it yeah yeah it's t- it's it's so it's difficult art. it's a fine line man it's like a lot of managers won't do that because they don't a have the job security they yeah. don't have the gravitas they don't you know Snit's in a position in his career and with his job where he, they've won five straight division titles and they're in first place right now when they've had a be, been beset by injuries. The guys mm-hmm. love playing for him. So he can make decisions like that uh, and look at the big picture at all times, whereas a lot of managers are not looking at big picture. They're trying to survive and they're trying to make moves that people aren't going to question. They're worried about it. Snit's not worried about it, which – uh, mostly that's really good for, you know, yeah. I know it's infuriating for, for fans at the time. Cause you're like, you're scratching your head going, Oh, why bring him enter? But like you said, if he strikes him out, that could be the thing that turns around mentor season and gets him going. Cause he's yeah. had a few good outings lately. And that could be the real big one on top of it in a real impactful situation. Didn't work like that. They lost the game, but Snit's willing to take that gamble, that risk to, to get the guys that he knows he's going to need for them yes. to reach their goals long term this season, not just right now and staying in first place. He's looking at long term. They're going to need mentor in the postseason to be the animal he was in the year when they won the World Series. And he's not going to get there by, you know, babying him. Right. And, it, you know, you don't, managers just can't really hide how they feel about a player. And for me, that always affected me more than anything. It's like if, if I got brought into a big situation when I wasn't going so hot, it was like, all right, my manager still believes in me. I'm still yeah. pretty good. But once they start hiding from you and your situation comes up and you don't even get hot, you're like, fuck, I guess I am. I'm really bad yeah. right now. You yeah. know, so it, it, there's a there's a pattern of like reinforcing the trend you're on that can kind of keep guys going negative or, or turn them around positive. So, I mean, to move – some the move's easy to criticize, but for me, I understand why he'd do it and and what the uh, what the payoff could be in those situations if you do well. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Uh, could Dodd be a bullpen option if and when Soroka is available? I don't think Dodd is a bull, is a bullpen type guy, and he's, uh, you know, I think he's going to be a starter option. Probably, maybe come up Thursday to start against the Phillies. Um, right now, they're not worried about having too many starters. They're worried about having enough starters. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> yeah, let's worry about that bridge when they get to it. Uh, Soroka, it's getting closer. I know everybody keeps asking about him. He's getting closer. Uh, they just are being so careful because they, they, when they gets up here, he's not like a normal kid when they, when he gets up here, they don't want to have to send it back to the minor leagues. He's gone through so much to get here with that. They want to make sure that when he gets here, he's ready to go five, six innings minimum that he's ready to go every fifth day. Right now they're still spacing. It starts out of the extra day or two most of the time. And he's still having trouble getting through five, six innings in, in, within his pitch count. I mean, he's getting, a, you know, throwing 75, 80 pitches and getting four or, you know, four-plus innings, you know, throwing too many pitches right now. But the stuff is there. I mean, he's not throwing, you know, three miles an hour under what he used to or any of that. He's just still shaking off the rust. He's just been out so long. I know people mm-hmm. get tired of hearing that. Like, how much rust you got to shake off? Well, three years' worth of it, yeah. you know? Three surgeries and three years of inactivity as far as the major league level is concerned. It's a long time. That's a really long time. You know, pitching when I came back from when I came back from Tommy John, I guess it'd been it'd been a little over a year, like thirteen months. And it was like my first time. Just you know, it's like your first the adrenaline, everything that happens. It's like it's your first, like you're debuting all over again. And I, I I've said it before, but I think when he comes back, being in the major leagues is going to kick him into another gear. Somebody asked. Uh... Oh, injuries and underperforming players will catch up to the Braves eventually. I didn't. I didn't. See, I don't see them running away with the division. Well, I don't think we ever saw them running away with the division, even if they get a big lead early. Look at the Mets last year; got a ten-game lead early at the end of June, and they didn't run away with the division. So there's no reason to think the Braves were when the Mets were doing what they were doing without Scherzer and you know Verlander were both yeah. on the IL. We know they're not going to run away with the division with a team with a historic payroll. You know. And a yeah. team that we know is going to make if, – if the Mets are anywhere close in July, they're going to make more moves. Yeah. Cohen's got – he spent this much money. Why not spend another $50 million to him? If they're close, yeah. he's going to make moves. No doubt. And the Phillies, I still think, have, are going to get hot. The Phillies have, are going to get hot at some point. You just hope it's not against you when they come in for a four-game series this weekend. Uh, but they've got Harper back now. They're a different team with him in the lineup. They're not going to go away, I don't think. Uh, and the Marlins are pesky, man. I don't think they have enough to stay all season, but they're pesky for sure. So yeah, they're not going to they're not going to run away with the division. The Braves aren't. It's too tough a division to run away with. You know, I mean, some of these teams that run away with the division, you got three teams in your in your division that are losing, you know, ninety to hundred games. That's not happening in this division. Yeah, somebody said fifty fifty for Ronald called that prior to the season. I don't think 50-50, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to get 50 home runs, but I think he's going to do something nobody's ever done with, uh, if he, he's on pace for 35, 40 stolen bases and like, or I'm sorry, like 60 stolen bases, 65, uh, and like 35 home runs. Nobody's ever done that. I'm going to get to the, I, I wrote the, some notes on exactly on that. 
But, uh, yeah, he's having just a, a, an unbelievable season. And what he's doing in the first inning, we've not seen a guy command the first inning like he does. Just controls the whole situation when he's once he gets in the batter's box. Really, yeah. the whole first inning becomes his. His Still, first yeah. inning, he's hitting five thirty-five in the first inning. He's twenty-three for thirty for forty-three. Ten extra base hits, fourteen thirty-four OPS. Four consecutive games, he's led off the, with the first inning with a hit and scored in the first inning. Four straight games. Three times Olsen drove him in last night. Uh, Murphy drove him in. You just come to expect it. Olsen's tied with Aaron Judge for the MLB lead. Six first inning homers. I asked him about hitting behind Acuna. He said, I've, I've, I've got the best view in the house for his at-bats from the on-deck circle. This is Olsen. He said, I feel like he's on base every time I step in the box. I mean, dudes just can't get comfortable facing him. Nobody wants to groove him a heater first pitch of the game. Or if they're going to work around him, he'll take his walk, steal second. It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Exactly. Acuna leads the majors in first inning runs with 16. First inning stolen bases, seven. I looked this up. There's only two teams that have more stolen bases in the first inning than Acuna has by himself. Seven. He's got seven in the first inning. He leads in first inning doubles, eight. First inning hits, 23. And he's also reached in first inning on three walks and a hit by pitch. Uh, there's something about, you know, walking up to kick off the game. I mean, he's, you know, half of it's up at home and on the road, but. Something about, you know, at home he's got his walk-up song and it's official, and then on the road he gets to kick the whole thing off. But yeah, something about that where I think, you know, it's it's a time where it's okay for the moment to be all about you. Yeah. You know, there's nobody else on base. He can just do his thing. But he just thrives in that leadoff spot. Uh, and it's not like he's just doing it the first inning. I mean, he's just kind of no. setting the tone. But he's, yeah. he's just raking up throughout. But he's hitting overall. He's hitting 342. That's We're over crazy. a quarter of the way into the season. Leads the NL in steals. Got his 19th last night on that play where he goes first to third on a walk, on an Olsen walk. Uh, and leads the NL in OPS, 1,028. He's on pace for 38 homers and 65 stolen bases, which would make him the first player ever to have at least 30 homers and 60 steals in a single season. God, I mean, that's not too far from 40-60 either. Yeah, obviously he could do 40-40. Join the be the fifth player that joined the 4040 club. There's only four guys in the 4040 club. He could do that. Just another homer will put him on pace for that. Who are the guys in that? A-Rod, but he'd do Bonds. it with 65 stolen bases. Yeah. Who else is in that? It's A Rod Bonds. Uh didn't Conseco do it? Maybe. What the 4040? I should know this. I did know it when uh when it was relevant when we were close to doing it. 4040 club is uh uh, I should know. I should know that Soriano did it right. Alfonso Soriano. Where's Cam at when we need him? Oh, I get it. I'll get it. Forty-four club in baseball. Uh, we should know this. Yeah, Soriano. Um, Rodriguez, Canseco, and Bonds. That's it. So I mean, three of those guys have been caught on steroids. Yep. Yep, and Soriano was ripped, but I'm not saying he was on him because I don't. I have no idea. Soriano's the one whose uh, whose body is somewhat resembles uh, yeah. Acuna. Yeah. Soriano was shredded, but he wasn't a huge guy at all. He had that incredible bat speed. I mean, he was yeah. fast twitch muscles, just on top of fast twitch yeah. muscles. I think he's he one of big man. bat too. Big yeah, he bat. was one of those guys. Yeah. 
he actually really similar because you never expected him to have the power he had either, but he could go opposite right. field, hit some bombs when he pulled it. Um, I really like. Yeah, I mean, I think man. it's even it's even more impressive when you think about that. The only guys that have been able to accomplish this have been, you know, three out of four of them are have been known to get have been popped for steroids. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's I don't think really Bonds was on it in '96, but no, no. Bond. Yeah, we should make that clear. Bonds did this before he got huge. And that's the thing was, Bonds was the best player in baseball before he became a home run hitting freak, you know, yeah. and destroyed the record book. Back then, he could have done 40-40. If he'd have just stayed, kept that body and not done the roids, I think he could have done 40-40 a few more times, although he wasn't stealing as many bases anymore. But still, that's the kind of player he was. Yeah. You know, so I, I think him and Soriano are the legit ones on there, you know, Conseco and a-Rod, we don't even know A-Rod. He could have been doing his whole career for all we know. I mean, I just I don't I don't have any faith in any of the numbers A-Rod produced. But he hit, I think he hit 50 homers or something at 19. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when the connection came out, the steroid connection to his to his somebody in Miami, you know, that he and that's where he grew up, you just wondered how long. Because he was a big dude at coming out of high school, just a athletic guy, but big. Um, but anyway, I don't want to get into all that. Just uh, yeah. I don't want to throw people under the bus. <laughs> well, um, for me, it just it just adds to how special yeah, what Ronald's doing because the absolutely. testing the testing in today's game is yeah. I mean, you almost have to be a lunatic to even try to beat it, and some guys do. But there's no doubt in my mind, this is just who Acuna is. And this you is just, just look at this guy, and you're like, you know, it's like Charlie Culberson said talking about Charlie about it because Charlie said he's only got like five pounds on me, and yet yeah. he's got like a hundred home runs than Charlie does in his career. And 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 Charlie's got like thirty homers. He said he's just some guys move different. Yeah. Some guys are connected different. Some guys are wired different. You go, he's different. You just watch him. And he was talking yeah. about we were talking about his hips, you know, because uh, Sight said he's got the most explosive hips in a game when he swings. And Charlie said it's like a shotgun yeah. watching watching his hips. You know, everything just syncs up and works together perfectly. I remember my my rookie year, I was teammates with uh, Brandon Morrow. Morrow didn't work out. You know, he was like 180 pounds. Um, He was skinny, you know, just looked like a normal guy. He grabbed a baseball. When he he uncoiled, it was 99 miles per hour, and I asked the strength coach, I was like, why can he throw 99? I'm trying my ass off. It's 92. I'm I'm, I'm doing all these – I'm doing everything I can. And he just said, you know, he's like, every single thing's working together for that guy. And that's kind of what it is with Acuna's same effort level as somebody else puts in his bat speeds 10 miles an hour faster. And that's just, that's just who he is. Yeah. Charlie, the exact quote was some guys are just built different. He's built different. He moves different. Yeah. He's wired different. Sometimes you can't explain it. I can't. Yeah. And then, then, yeah. then Charlie would talk a little more about these hips and Charlie said they're next level. Visually, they just explode. It's like a shotgun. I feel like you just enjoy watching a guy like that, getting to see that every day. It's pretty remarkable. You just sit back and watch guys like him do his thing because he can do something different every day. And I said, yeah, and that swag. He goes, oh, yeah, he's got the swag. He said, but it fits. So he backs it up. I said, yep. Yeah. Every he's starting to mix in some of those solo shuffles too. You seen that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a last sports bureau, just last thing before we get out of here. Last sports bureau. The only said the only players to lead their leagues in both OPS and stolen bases in a single season since integration in 1947. The only two players to ever do it, Willie Mays, who did it twice in 1957 and 58, 
Ricky Henderson, who had 65 steals and 1,016 OPS in 1990 for Oakland. That's it. Ricky Henderson, the greatest leadoff batter in history. And Willie Mays, arguably the greatest player in history. Certainly one of the top three players in history. To me, put him and Hank up there. Uh, Obviously, everybody puts Babe up there. I think Willie Mays and Hank were better players than Babe Ruth. I think Babe Ruth was a different era. But but just to be in the same sentence with Willie Mays and Ricky Henderson for what you're doing, because he has a legit chance of doing it. It's going to be hard to hang on to the OPS lead probably, but who knows? He's done it so far, and he shows no signs of backing off that. As long as he stays healthy, Acuna's literally capable of anything. Yeah, I'm looking at Ricky's MVP year. He hit 28 homers and stole 65 bags. That's pretty realistic for Acuna this year if he doesn't beat it. Oh, yeah. And he had 1,000 OPS, 1,016. It's actually pretty similar numbers. Yeah, yeah. And he has that same threat when he gets up there that Ricky had in the box. Mm -hmm. You just didn't want to mess mess around with this guy, man, because he'll hurt you. One way or the other. I mean, it's hard to say this about it. It's like hard to say, maybe he's Ricky Henderson with more power, but Ricky's career high was 20, 28. I think he's he's done it. I mean, I think right now we can say he's the best leadoff hitter since Ricky Henderson, yeah. with just what he's done so far. Yeah. I mean, he's already hit 28 leadoff home runs starting games, uh, starting first inning. Uh, Olsen said, I mean, I've seen guys – I asked him, has he ever seen anything like this, what he's doing? He said, I mean, I've seen guys get hot for multiple weeks on end, but the way yeah. he's commanding that bats and what he does on the bases too, I've never seen it. He said, I was thinking about this last night. The way he approaches being the leadoff hitter is like nothing I've ever seen before. It's almost like he takes on a different mentality, almost like you've got to be the clo- the role of a closer against yeah. him. He said, I haven't always thought it, but the way I've – I've watched him approach being the leadoff batter in a game. I'm starting to think that it's a mentality role too. Obviously he's a great hitter and one of the best talents in baseball, but the way that he from pitch one, is just so locked in. It's really impressive. And I said, and you played on Oakland, you played on Ricky Henderson field in Oakland for all those years. And he said, yeah, I also said, I never got, got to, I never got to witness Ricky in person. I said, but, but Acuna's doing similar stuff, right? I said, yep, he is. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, I think the starting pitchers, you know, you, it's like a boxing match. You're ready to like feel each other out and see how the game's going to go. And Acuna steps in, he's Mike Tyson. He's going for the knockout. Like, and it, the aggression he comes into that game with, it just gets guys on their heels. Yeah, from pitch one. Because Charlie was saying, you know, that used to be like Josiah Gray. Josiah Gray threw a slider to him in the second game of the season. It, the first two games of the season against Washington, he saw a first pitch slider. Yeah. Not only that, he saw three consecutive sliders to start each of those games in the first two games. He singled on the third slide or on the fourth pitch of the opening day, singled when they threw him something a fastball after those sliders. I think it was fastball. And then the second game, Josiah Gray started him out with three straight sliders. He homered on the third of them. Yeah, and you used to – if you know a leadoff hitter is aggressive and they're going to swing first pitch fastball, your mindset is – well, I can get an out on one pitch and go deep in this game. But with him, it's if I make a mistake, it might go over the fence. Yeah. You know, the, the power threat with the speed, it's just something you don't see much in the game, yeah, especially in that talking, leadoff spot. Charles talking about how, you know, back in the day, or at least until, you know, the last several years, you know, that first pitch, he would just get Freebie. a pitcher, would get up there and go, all right, we're settling in, you know, everybody's kind of easing into this thing. And, uh, 
you know, take a couple pitchers. Some guys would take two pitches, you know, just yeah. kind of tracking the pitcher, see what he's got. I said, not not this guy. He's locked no. in. Haymaker first pitch. Yeah, your first pitch. You better be ready to go because he's yeah. da- he's going to be ready. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Two more against the Dodgers and Freddie. We'll see what the Braves can do. Uh, big series. And then another one right on the heels of that at four against the Phillies before they go out west and finally catch a breath with the series. You know, they should go out and sweep Oakland, but anything can happen. Oakland can get a well-pitched game. Brace could get a dud. So that's not a given. And then you go to Arizona. So you got a really winnable trip coming up. You just need to have a good week here at home before you go out and face that uh, the A's and the Diamondbacks on a long road trip or a week-long road trip. But that's it. Braves are still, even with their struggles, like they're still up four and a half games. So, but it was seven and a half a week and a half ago. So. Need to get going because the Mets look like they're ready to start maybe playing a little better ball. But uh, the Mets aren't the team they were a year ago either. They're, neither one of these teams, I don't think, I don't think is going to win 101 games like they did both did last year. But who knows? If the Braves get healthy, they may have a chance. But it's hard when you're piecing together your rotation, you know, pulling bullpen yeah. games so, so much. Those bullpen games, I think everybody's sick of seeing those, including probably their relievers, even though they never oh. say that. I'll say it. It's the worst. <laughs> It's the worst coming to the field. You might be pitching the third. You might be pitching the eighth, the ninth. I mean, <laughs> relievers love those first five innings where they just get to watch and, and let the game unfold and have a routine and start stretching in the fourth or fifth, you know, getting ready for a situation in the sixth or seventh when you got a bullpen game and you're not really sure what the plan is. It's leadoff single. You're like, shit, I might have to get hot right now. You know, mentally, guys are exhausted by the end of those games. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody else is exhausted by the fourth inning. Yeah. All right, 755 is real. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. We are out. Mm-hmm.